Hello everyone and welcome all of you to Nikki Love Creative Presents with Industry Leaders where today I'm joined by Joanna Henley. Welcome Jo, thank you so much for your time today. As a starting point Jo would you mind just quickly telling us a bit about yourself? Yes, well firstly thank you for having me. I'm really honoured. This is a great project and you've amassed so many amazing interviews in less than two months so yeah, thanks for having me. My name is Joanna Henley and I have worked under the name of Misled for about, gosh, 10 years and expanded into, from illustration and fine art into creative direction and visual creative consultation, which is something that's happening this year. I work across many different sectors from tech to fashion to lifestyle. And I started as an illustrator doing lots of editorial stuff, but entering loads of competitions to help with visibility and connecting with communities. So that's something that I like to talk about a lot, especially this time of year, because we've got lots of people graduating at this uncertain time and working out how to kind of branch out and how to kind of navigate the time. A lot of the work that I do is on my own. I partner with brands and when I need to, and when a uh, project calls for it, I will create a team, whether it's videographers, produ production team, uh, animators, and so on. So it's, um, so it's a nice kind of rolling, exciting, large-scale project at times, but it's, it's generally me and, and the client. So when I get to do work for myself and uh, I get to create work in space, in large space, I really, really need to kind of fill it. So this is something that I'm super excited about doing. Uh, a lot of the projects that I've been offered and commissioned for in the past have been portraiture. I've done so much portraiture, so I always really get excited about the work that maybe enjoy in involves portraiture but is very expansive and very different. My work is very much about navigating different areas, picking up lots of different skills and learning new techniques along the way. I was going to talk a little bit about working in quarantine because something that I realised moving to Lisbon and kind of taking time to kind of reassess and having like a proper autopsy in a way was that my work and the heart of what drives my work is collaboration. I love learning about people. I love gaining an understanding of what a um, person, a client, a brand, a magazine, a space, an environment has to teach me. And it's like any relationship, which is great. It's like, okay, well, what part of me do I need to pull out? What part of me do I kind of need to keep in? Where do I kind of take? And, and it's kind of like a really, really lovely, experience and then I come away with something unique, clients happy and they've got something completely unique too and I'm learning something along the way and that's why I have to kind of keep working. So when um, lockdown happened and I lost a lot of work and a, and a lot of the plans that I had to do large-scale work, like a lot of the work that I was doing was live, I was still doing VR work, I did um, some live work for the opening event for the Land Rover Vogue job. I was doing some live work for Samson. 
And, um, you know, it involved me flying, it involved me being out, and it involved me being in spaces and jobs that weren't available anymore. So I just kind of took the time to kind of look inward. And I just, I stopped doing portraits because I kept getting booked for portraits. And I was like, I don't want to do portraits. And people would say, okay, right, we want you to do, we want you to do portraits, but can you do like misled portraits? I'm like, oh my gosh, what does that even mean anymore? Um, so I'd stopped drawing faces, I kind of moved away from social media a lot and it was like, okay, well what do I want to do and how do I want to do it on my terms? So this is kind of like a study for a large canvas that I'm working on at the moment and I'm only kind of just showing this now, but I kind of, it took a bit of practice to kind of look at creating work for me and taking out that kind of sense of, I need to show it, I need to show up, I need to kind of constantly be producing to feel that I'm kind of winning and successful on Instagram. So this was like a really, really interesting kind of learning curve for me and just started putting things on the wall, pieces of paper, painting, filming myself for me. So I had that kind of tension of working live again and having those feelings and standing up and using my body instead of just sitting on my ipad and just so that was me kind of taking time and going okay what's happening <laughs> and I, it's so interesting that a few of the projects have actually come back as a bit of a revival of um you being more of like ahead of your time as you say with certain designs and, and illustrations and that's really really interesting that must be great as an artist as well when some work that you produced five years ago then gains different level of like attention and recognition yeah i think it is only if you like it because there yeah. are some, sometimes <laughs> you know this piece that you did like 16 years ago can you reproduce it with some other bits on normally it's it's not um something that i know I, i'm happy to do but with the with that, it was just like really fun, and I had to be very economical with that piece, with the wall piece, because it was it was three huge walls, and I was painting it live, and I had to manage a team. It was, yeah. So so I was really really pleased. So that's definitely, and I'm planning to do a mural for this very bare wall here. I'm going to collaborate with. Um, a friend from LA that lives here and has just started an amazing interior design creative creative studio. So yeah, yeah. And and at what point did you decide you wanted to become an illustrator? I've always drawn. I've always just my uh, when when I grew up, um, my parents. I was part of a forces family, so we moved around a lot. And drawing became this constant, it became my identity, it was something I always had when, when we went to events, when we, uh, my parents went out for dinners, I always had my sketchbook. And I was really lucky, a local artist when I was eight offered me a scholarship. Um, and he was like, yeah, you're really good at drawing flower fairies, but how about perspective and rendering? And, and I've just always been supported. It wasn't until I went to university that I realized that a lot of the people that in my fine art course were very much against their parents' wishes and they were so I think I think um, yeah I've just always done it. It's just been something that because I did it all the time, I was very confident and I was very skilled and I just had a lot of kind of 
yeah return from it so yeah that's great especially at eight as well to be recognized mm -hmm. for having a, a talent and supported as well and um so you've moved to lisbon how long has it been now that you've moved? I can't remember if it's been a year or a few years. Well, to the locals, it's a year. Yeah. It's actually two years, just because I'm so embarrassed about how bad my Portuguese is. <laughs> so it's two years next month. Oh my goodness, like time flies. Yeah. It really does. And on the second move. So. And what made you decide to move to Lisbon? Uh, in one word, burnout. <laughs> Um, but to expand on that, I just really wanted some new inspiration. I really wanted to have different pathways. I always try and find different ways to get to work and different routes and always and um, just just wanted a fresh start. I think because I travelled around so much when I was a kid, I always got so excited about a clean slate and you know, new beginnings. So. And 20 years in London for me was enough. I look back at projects and, I, you know, like I was saying, my solo show I did in five days, it would have been a lot. It was, I, was at the, I was at in tears at two o'clock in the morning going, oh, how can I do this? Mm -hmm. And you just kind of accept that when you're in London, I think it's like, how far can I push my, my boundaries? So, yeah, I just wanted to create some white space so I could really go, okay, well, this is what I've done, but what do I want now? And I just wanted to step back a bit, step back a bit from social media. I wrote two books and I just took a bit of a risk and yeah, I took my foot off the gas. So good timing for lockdown. Because <laughs> I've it's so interesting that you've moved because I've been speaking to so many creatives, especially after uh, Brexit, that have been talking about moving to like Amsterdam or Berlin, etc., and and leaving London. And how does this new pace of life compare to, to the London bubble? It's so completely different. It's so completely different. Um, luckily, I've been in my um, business for 12 years. And before then, I think I did six or seven years as a freelance um, art workshop leader. So I do have that discipline. I do know how to, you know, I do understand about sacrifice. Um, because it is really hard when you're quite near the beach. Um, the pace was some, is something that I love now, but was like, I had like real teething problems with it. There's a lot of things that you kind of take for granted, you yeah. know, like things that are set, like getting set up here without the language and being on my own was, was really, really difficult going without hot water or boiler for like two months in, in the winter. And, there's a lot of things that you don't have to experience in the UK, but there's, I just needed a proper, like, you know, what you have, you know, what work life balance. And I needed that for my health and I needed that for my inspiration. And uh, yeah, the, the pace is, is, is good for me now, but it was like, oh my gosh, I just know that when things come, they come. And when something arrives, that's, It'll arrive in its own time. Yeah, same. After living in London for, I think it was seven, maybe eight years, I then moved to Kent um, by the sea, like 10 minutes, uh, walked to the beach, and then 10 minutes walked to the train station to just, and when that's like 50 minutes in St Pancras, and just, I've got all my clients 
in uh, London, like all the creators I work with that I've known for years in London. And yeah, I balance it out where I go into town and I'll meet loads of people and then I work from home. And, and that works quite well for me, actually. Um, so what are the, the main tools you use to help you schedule your day? Well, this is something that I've tried and tested for years. Um, I've really, I'm on my sixth bullet journal and I don't, I think a lot of people got bullet journal because they just see loads of people drawing peonies and stuff on it, making them into like these artistic kind of journals. Um, I definitely need that. I need to have my kind of notes and my priorities there. I need it next to me and it's nice and neat and it's small. Um, a workflow, that's something that I've developed in the last year, just having everything that I'm working on on one page. I did try to do this on a Excel sheet and I do have stuff like that on an Excel sheet and I do have an iCloud, but I need things out. Even if it's just all in a book, but I need to kind of see it at the beginning of the day. Um, having a watch, I know that sounds silly, but if I can get my a watch and alarm clock, that's a new addition. If I can have my um, phone out of the room, that really helps me schedule, keep to stuff. And um, I have a time block sheet as well. Also post-it notes. So it's all more like post-it notes, paper materials and tools do you have yeah. like trello boards or anything like that or do you prefer i tried trello boards i also did uh, also tried to do it but i think it's just I, I can't rely on notifications i turn all my notifications off from my social media to email and make sure that i check my email at say after i've done all my scheduling and i know what my day looks like i'll put in 15 minutes of emailing and then I'll do it again at two. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm not always, I can't always be available. I won't pick up calls unless they're scheduled um, because I need to kind of feel like I have full autonomy of my time and my space. And it's so easy to be totally reactive and I need to be proactive. Yeah. So, yeah. That's really interesting, actually, for anyone that's that's watching this session and, and talking about things like scheduling. And as we said, it's like the headspace as well um, of that. It's so tough, isn't it? Because sometimes you can feel like I need to be reactive and jump on this and that and, and all these different things. But it can slow you down. It's not always the most proactive approach when you're trying to deal with something, especially like a large job or a big commission or something like that. It's it's actually blocking out your calendar and your time um, and saying, right, I'm dedicating this chunk of time to this task at hand and I'm putting my phone out the room and I'm ignoring like outside interference because it can feel like that sometimes like the outside world. There's always a notification going off. If I'm really busy, I have to take my Apple watch off as I'll have Slack, Twitter, Instagram, you know, LinkedIn, emails, and it's just all these mediums pinging at you all the time, and WhatsApp, and then a phone yeah. call. <laughs> and it's, do you think that, I guess, technology is a great thing, but sometimes, I guess, it, it can really interrupt your flow? Yeah, it's, it's, it's massively disruptive. It's, it's super disruptive. When I was using it, when I first started using 
Facebook and Instagram, I was posting like five or six posts a day, and then Twitter and stuff like that. But I was just doing so much. I'd be doing a sketch for this project. I'd be, doing, I'd be going to a venue. I was like super busy. Um, and I had lots of content. And for me, it was a way of kind of going, done that, got that to that position. And it, it was all in real time. Or I'd photograph things. And then I'd post it when I was at the post office queue or in a bus or waiting for a friend to turn up at a restaurant. But now, like things like social media and, email and things like that it's just i need to elevate what i'm working on i need to make sure that that feels like the most important thing that i'm doing and that's just the bottom line for me and even if it's just you know i'm going to get an egg timer i'm trying to find one at the moment like a little tomato or something because i do use my phone for the focus timer app because i'll put it on for 25 minutes and i'll just bash through work and then I'll just have a little dance or go for a cup of tea or something you know and I'm like oh I've done loads and I don't think about it and then my brain's in a different hemisphere I'm just just bashing it out and there's loads of techniques like that that I find really really good but it's just you know you just have to feel like you're the boss and I think when everything's just kind of being hurtled at you you're just not and you've got overwhelmed something that I say to um, the artists I work with um, is like when you have that moment and you do feel overwhelmed or you are feeling like okay this is too much yeah just get up do something else put like a really loud track on have a dance make a cup of tea go for a walk um, because technology has its uses but it's also very good at kind of grinding us down yeah, definitely. And one thing I'd like to discuss with you, Joe, is the toolbox. So you mentioned this to me recently, and I thought it was genius, like the way that you described it. Um, would you mind talking us through that now? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been connecting with lots of different communities, and I've been learning a lot. I'm doing, um, even though I'm a creative mentor, I get a lot of mentoring and, and uh, coaching myself for business, for mindset. So I've been learning all this great stuff and these are things that I've accessed because everybody's online virtually and it's a really nice takeaway. Um, and we were talking about our kind of emergency toolkit and it's like, what do you do if you break down on the highway and your, your tyre bursts? It's like, oh, well, you've got a spare tyre in your boot, so you just you know, get jack and or you phone the AA or something be on your speed dial or you're on your phone and what happens if you spill red wine on your lovely white carpet or sofa you've got like some varnish and there's you know if you cut yourself you've got like plasters and you need to kind of develop and find out it's really good so anyone watching i'd love for you to write five things that you have or you think you can have or you want to explore using to create your own mental kind of break break an emergency toolkit so when you have both of those moments i've been learning a lot about eft which is emotional freedom technique which is amazing and it's about self-talk it's about using your voice and kind of tapping your different energy points it's really good when you've got headaches something that we could talk about another time and not now it's a really big exciting subject there's you know headspace 
you know, they've got loads of kind of emergency little five minute apps, you know, sitting with it and going, right, how bad is it? Is it A&E? <laughs> you know, like, am I, do I need to go and see a doctor? Do I just need to put a plaster on it? Just sitting with it and kind of going, okay, is it a one to five? Okay, maybe it's a one. Okay, I'm just going to get up, put an audio book on, get a cup of tea. Is it a three? Right, I'm going to be back. So it's like, what are those five things that you've got like accessible? I wrote mine down. I think there was meditation, tapping, EFT, uh, having a cup of tea, going for a walk or running a bath and having a dance. It's so good to get your body moving, and giggling. And yeah, so that's a nice takeaway that I learned in lockdown. Yeah. I really love that. I really like that, the toolkit. I need to write my five down. Um, one thing that I use a lot for my own mental health is running. Um, I find the act of running and, and how I train helps me with running a business. There's some certain like uh, running techniques I'll do when I'm working on like speed and endurance where I'll run a mile at a threshold pace and then half a mile at a slower pace. And when you're at the threshold, you know like, you're tired, you're like, oh, this is hard work, but you know you've got half a mile where you can slow down. And that's how I sometimes find for me personally, uh, running Nikki Lyle Creative can feel like there are times when it can feel a bit intense. And I'll but I'll promise myself a set point where I'll slow it down a little bit. And things like um a bit of self-love or self-care or or treating yourself to um, a film you really want to see or um, like a purchase of something that you really want mm. or I'm, I'm always kind of lining up treats for my rewards <laughs> the good behavior yeah rewards <laughs> so important. yeah so important and um uh, we were also talking about um uh organization and productivity and stuff like that and um uh, I've been learning a lot about energetics and uh, how we feel, what do we want to feel or what do we want to kind of embody. So obviously we want to feel productive, we want to feel, you know, empowered, we want to feel uh, creative and it's all those kind of points and it's like, what are those, how can we batch that time? So if it is something like, there's a great book called Eat That Frog and it's like doing it's almost like delaying gratification, getting your crappy jobs, the jobs that you hate the most, admin first. And then you've got all your jobs that you love afterwards, so they can be a reward system, or just going out and eating ice cream or something. One thing I found really um, useful when I'm incredibly busy is getting up earlier. Um, yeah. I find the golden time, I mean, I've, I used to do this more getting up at, uh, 5.30. I haven't done this as much during the pandemic because having to deal with COVID and everything else has been another like emotionally taxing experience, especially at a time where the market's um, a bit unpredictable. So I haven't put that pressure on myself as much, but I used to find that that, that golden time of, of quietness where everyone else is almost um, the rest of the world asleep. That's when you can really get things done because there are no emails coming through or phone calls or anything and just really important jobs like things like admin that's really can be boring but it's so important for, for me and um 
yeah, just a few early rises and, and going to bed a bit earlier and getting really good sleep as well, I find so important to help me be as productive as possible. Yeah, getting up early is something that I've been able to do now because I'm not in a partnership and I don't have to kind of work on anyone else's um, body clock or whatever. And I'm aiming for 5.30 next month. It yeah. does take a long time for me. I'm not naturally drawn to getting up early, but I am just a different person at the moment. I get up at six and it takes me two hours to do the things that are really important to me. So I'll do my journaling, I'll do um, some yoga, or I'll try and run, it's really hard because the hills here, it's my excuse. Um, I'll do my meditation, and then I want, and then, you know, I want to have like a long shower or, you know, hang out with the cat and just do stuff. So I feel like I'm owning my day before I'm sharing it with anyone or having to like communicate with anyone else. And yeah, yeah early stocks are the best. If you want to take over the world, so many people have said this lately, if you want to take over the world, get up an hour earlier or two. That is so true, like you say, about if you want to take over the world. And I've read so many studies on people that are successful. And it's just the golden time is around 5.30 or even 5 if you really want to push it. But it worked. I've seen yeah. it work for myself um, when I'm getting up at that time. Yeah, sorry, Nikki. And even if you just want to, another thing, maybe you don't want to take over the world and that's fine. Maybe you don't want to get up at 6 if you can get up a little bit before the other people in the house that maybe you're homeschooling or you're feeding whether it's a pet or a child or whatever you know you're getting over you're ruling your anxiety you don't have to rule the world you're just ruling your overwhelm and you're kind of checking in with everything it's so important well, another thing I found has really helped me it's a game changer was discovering stoic philosophy and how that's all about, as you say, Joe, rather than ruling the world, ruling yourself. Yeah. And you can't have an influence outside unless you really do own yourself and your own being and your own mind. And once you've got that sorted and you've got the toolkit as well for how to manage yourself, then things like dealing with stress and um, anxiety can become much easier to deal with. But it all starts with like yourself um and just like little rituals like what what rituals do you have there's something that i've again um i live i've been living on my own for six months obviously that's kind of deepened my engagement and awareness with the lockdown so my my rituals journaling i used to, i i had like a massive creative block. I always talk about creative blocks because it's like once you get over them, there's so many techniques. And uh, I had an eight-year creative block years and years and years ago before I started Misled, and a friend gave me the artist way. And since reading that book, I just reread it at the beginning of lockdown. Uh, Twelve years later, um, I, I yeah since reading it 12 years ago i've been doing my morning pages and there's a lot of really good articles on medium uh about the book and the morning pages and how it kind of really really starts your day you're kind of almost having a telephone call with yourself checking in and kind of getting rid of all the cobwebs so that's something that i do which is really powerful and i direct it now so that could be where i'm like talking about you know my message or 
that I want to talk about on social media or whatever. It's kind of like a solid platform and it can feed the, the structure of the day. Um, that's something I've learned a bit more about um, this year through doing the course that I'm on. Uh, conscious writing, which is like a next level, which is really exciting, which is just like almost kind of like affirmation writing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, because it's like, oh, I can't do this, or I find this really hard, or I'm not really good at strategy or whatever, for example. And you're like, I'm really good at strategy. <laughs> you just yeah. talk about all these things that you're really good at. Um, so I have a journal for if I'm having a wobble, uh, if I'm kind of um, really inspired by something, if something comes into my mind, then I'll write it, capture it. And if it, also if I'm problem solving. So that's a bit of a ritual, my exercise. And I remember speaking to one of my dear friends, um, an incredible artist, Nina Costa, at the beginning of the lockdown. And I said, so what, what, what are you doing? And he's just really chill anyway. He's like, I'm napping. And I, I've, I've always been an okay, I've been good at napping, but it, it is like unbelievably, it makes such a difference. It's like, you're like 34% or something. I meant to kind of get the exact uh, statistics, but like your alertness, your concentration, your engagement is just, it's just so good for your productivity. So I just make sure that I do 20 minutes maximum because if you go any longer, you go into deep sleep, um, game over. Um, I was gonna talk about setting boundaries. Um, I think that's really important at the moment. I'm not, I'm working all the hours God gave me, but I'm kind of loving that anyway. And I know that I will probably be living with someone else at a later date, which will, who will say, uh, can you stop working now? Do you have to work all the time? Yes. So boundaries are important, especially if you're getting up early. And you know, all those things can work. I know when I talked about this before in the Wacom webinar, someone asked, is that still gonna work if like, you like to work at night? And it's like, yeah, it's just having that awareness to go, okay, I know that I'm great at this time and I need to fit in. Um, two hours of me time before I go to my laptop or the first task of the day and then um, I'll time block everything. Uh, Lisa Congdon has a really good way of uh, addressing her tasks and she kind of touches everything which I really like so she just does small time blocks of everything she did an alphabet project over a year but she just did 50 minutes every day she was suffering a bit from anxiety as well and she wanted to feel like like it's almost kind of like you're checking in checking in and you're like you know you're taking it a little step further and that's really good that's a really good way of doing it um so then i'll look at the anchors in the day and my anchor habit would be like having a coffee at 12 so now i've got like i can get like a good few time blocks in before then and a couple of chunks or one big chunk before lunch really strict if i am doing something else at lunch it'll be something i'm really excited about or you know reading or go for a walk and yeah. yeah and then the nap so i just have those three anchors and then that helps me guide and as a woman i can't believe um i've only just found out about um uh cycle planning within which weeks that's something that i've been reading about through forbes forbes is really good resource for um, 
productivity articles and there's a great one on cycle planning because your brain and your body are working in different ways at different weeks in your kind of uh, your month as a woman that's kind of blowing my mind so I, I engage with that as well and that helps me plan there's certain times of the month where I'm better at kind of problem solving and other times where I'm like better at evaluating and reviewing others when I'm communicating with other teams that's so interesting about cycle planning. The only time I've ever looked at that was more within like exercise and training yeah. for like energy levels. But yeah, I'll look at that in regards to um, how I apply myself with Nikki Lyle Creative as well. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, yeah. It kind of blew my mind. There's some really useful like tools there that you shared, Joe. Thank you. And, and I think that this is why we wanted to run this session is because it's so important for anyone that's watching this to understand that there are rituals and procedures and processes that people do um, to, to really help um, us get through our days and produce the work that we do and hit certain targets. And I think you plan for your day the night before, like I do, like I'll kind of, I find that so useful is the night before I'll kind of set my intention for the next day and I'll write my to-do list and just that sleeping on what you need to do the next day. It's almost like you problem solving your sleep. And then if I'm falling asleep and there's something I need to do, I'll jump out of bed and then I'll put that on the to-do list as well to make sure things get done. Because as you're falling asleep, sometimes I'm working out, did I get everything done? What didn't I get done? <laughs> and then just jotting that in, then I find that I then sleep a bit better and I'm like, okay, that's that's going to be dealt with tomorrow i did get that yeah. done. that's when that's going to happen and you're closing that day you've got that closure and you're like okay well this didn't work but this is going forward yeah i think even if it's just 15 minutes the bullet journal is really good for that too it's closing the day doing something then being on your phone as well i just want to speak to you a bit more about journaling so how do you use it is it something where you just offload all the thoughts you've got in your head yeah, I, I, I definitely recommend looking at uh, Googling at morning pages. Some people can do it in 20 minutes. Mine take an hour. So I've, after 12 years, I've, I've, I've started not writing as much, but you're supposed to write three sides of A4 and it's literally just stream of consciousness. So it could be anything that's going on in your mind. Um, and you, it's just very cathartic. It's very cleansing. And it's, it's just a really nice kind of way of clearing everything mm. when you start the day. So um, with my exercise, with my coffee, and, and because I've done it so many, for so many years in that way, I'm just trying, trying it out differently. But a lot of the artists that I work with, because I, I am a creative mentor as well, I've been doing that this year, since last year, um uh, are taking that on and i've seen like such big leaps with their work and how they look at their work and it's really supportive when you're having going through like a really difficult time and a lot of my artists here um, a lot of my friends here that are and aren't artists are taking it on as well and they're absolutely loving it so uh, the morning pages i would definitely recommend um, and just having something where you're able to expand out. I guess that's the most basic and 
kind of easiest way for me to say it so it's either kind of putting it on paper or using voice notes as well just to kind of process it's a new way of processing because we're constantly giving we're constantly working out but there's nothing that we're kind of doing one-to-one -one with ourselves you know and it's when you were saying about when you go to bed and you're thinking about the next thing that's very much part of the process the artist way is kind of very american it was released in the 90s um it's now becoming okay to talk about like um Russell Brand interviewed uh, Julia Cameron the other day. Emma Gammon um, has, has cited it as like a huge inspiration for a lot of her books that she's written. And she does a lot of stuff on Skillshare that's like, hmm, that's very Julia Cameron. Um, and it's very much about, it's kind of like a bit Buddhist, it's a bit uh, godly, and it's very much about you are a conduit for inspiration so there is you know a flow of inspiration so it's really good whether you whether you replace that with the universe or whatever you know the god word um it's really good to know that there is you know when you've got an open mind when you've got intentions when you're writing and you're kind of opening your mind to what you need and the awareness that you have through this stream of consciousness every day is there's like a sense of flow that happens and it takes a lot of pressure off kind of this kind of constant kind of I'm doing everything. It's kind of you're sort of supported by the nature of the flow and inspiration is constantly there. Your ideas are constantly there. You just need to kind of apply it and take yourself away from all those kind of um, those other distractions. And I mean, I've been doing it for 12 years. When I got the book, I didn't even finish it. My life kind of, it just, it just went insane overnight. And I definitely have that to thank because it gave me that word that I, I use a lot, uh, autonomy, it gave me empowerment. It gave me a set a time, which was very meditative, mm -hmm. but it was very kind of process-led and I was, you know, the, the interviews that I was writing and the posts and I was like my language is very lucid my mind was very clear I had like a real sense of ownership of that so definitely definitely in that respect yeah I, I love that whole um thought of you know you're a conduit for like information like your consciousness all of our consciousness it it, we tune into the universe and then mm -hmm. we, we regurgitate what we see, all like a prism of our own experience of it. And then what we create is a product of that. And like my friend that set up like TED Talks and folks, and she talks about ideas all the time and how the best speakers, you get loads of people that want to get on their soapbox and they're like, look at me, that's ego talking. But actually the, the best speakers, it's all about the idea. And they're just the messenger as an artist, a creative, whether you're a musician or an illustrator or all you're doing is carrying something and, and putting that out into the world and projecting totally. that. And totally. Yeah. I've got here actually, and this is from the artist way because I just finished it. I really eked it out, I didn't want it to end. And this is saying what you're what we're talking about, and it says the creative process is a moment of surrender, not control. Mm -hmm. And this it's this you know this is why it's so important to kind of harness that time and to harness that kind of um, ownership and and just let go, and it will come. 
and it's all about trust it's all about faith and what I found as myself as a as a creative recruiter like the moment I took that approach of I'm here to service the industry and mm. just to be to create myself as a bridge that just connects and that's my job is to yeah to serve the industry and, and just that and, and how I work and how I operate with creators I represent or clients has just been a game changer and and that's how I've worked for you and I guess that's what's always set me apart from other recruiters is I've got that different mindset and how I kind of service the industry. What were your initial steps in setting boundaries? One of the reasons that I moved here was that I would be in an environment where I was I was like going to have a good sense of live work. I mean boundaries within your day structure then yes um if you if I, I try and get up early so i can finish early so i can do the things that i hear and live the life that i want first start realizing that you need to set boundaries is like the number one thing because not just turning up and producing that needs to be produced actually stepping back and saying hang on a minute i'm going to set a boundary about this which mm -hmm. relates to self-care and like the pace of london especially um, and I just think deciding that a boundary is something you want to set first and why and how, and then you set them accordingly, that would be yeah. my answer. Yeah, and that could be with the people that you work with on, on yeah. a project. I think that's one thing that's good for me with the, the bullet journal, and I'm not always like super, super structure, structure, because something that I've learned, especially this year, is like my brain doesn't work like that. I'm a creative, but I love discipline. So I'll go, right, and this hour I'm doing this, and then I'm going to have a cup of tea, and I'm going to do this, and then I've got it all set out. And then other days, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to write a list of the things that I've done, and that's enough. I've achieved this, and this is going to keep me on a flow of momentum. But within, I guess we're talking about boundaries as well, about, you know, that's even like what we talked about, like taking your notifications off, um, making sure that you're doing things with a bit of awareness, like, okay, I'm gonna do half an hour, 15 minutes of my email, two times, twice a day, and it will be at this time. Also, really, really looking at when you're at your most energetic and engaged and planning around that. And, you know, for me, like, I'll nap when it's like 38 degrees and I can't work and I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. You know. And I found like, certain boundary setting with um just a, a restricting certain people's like, access to you at a certain time like you said with turning off notifications and sometimes always being available doesn't help you be the most productive because actually at a time of being productive is when you shut off the outside world and you focus at the task in hand when did you both decide enough is enough I need to move out of London. I know you mentioned the project you had to finish in three days, Joanna. What was, was this the breaking point? Also your studio behind you looks wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, plants really help, don't they? <laughs> um, gosh, that was, that was a while ago, actually. I just, I just wanted to show that because I'm just still really happy with that, um, that show and that. It was my project, um, but that was five years ago. Yeah. Gosh. Um, they were just met. I, I just my anxiety just got got crazy. Actually, I, I just got very very anxious. There's a lot of things that have changed now, and I think um, also what I realised and what I think about, which I I, I 
which is, is a shame, is the things that I want from London, the things that I want to cherry pick from London, for me were just, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, I was always so busy and taking so many things on and, and going to the tape and it just being swarming with people and queuing and getting on tubes. And I, I just got really worn down by public transport. And we I moved with a partner at the time out of London a bit. And I hated where I lived. And it was just a bit of everything. I think I should have moved a lot earlier, really. Mm. It was just a bit of everything. Do you feel it's more important to create work with the aim to attract clients or to create for work that feels right but with no agenda or maybe a bit of both? Uh, yeah, that does make sense. I, I kind of came up with this uh, thought when I was mentoring one of my artists earlier this year and she was just really, really, she wanted, she wanted to work with me every couple of weeks but she was already doing like this huge um, counselling degree so I just said well why do we do art and I said and how can art be for us and it's not just about for other people and I said the three ways that we can look at it and art can be really nourishing so I said look I don't want you to do any I don't want to give you a to-do list maybe you could just get one because she was trying to do some watercolour stuff on our iPad, I said, why don't you just sit down and have like an art hug I came out with. <laughs> I was like, where, where you're just sitting there and you can like maybe see how many different coloured blue clouds you can have. And it's just something where it's just, I'm just, you know, it's all about the process, I'm not thinking about it. And then there's other times where you're experimenting and you're doing something where, you know, what you're talking about, surrendering to a process. And then there's projects where you want it, want the work to be in your folio. Well, the work that I found for like some of the big brown jobs that I've done, so like Head and Shoulders, Clinique, Ted Baker, um, the work that they've shown on their PDF on the brief has always been the work that I've either done on a sofa or in bed, where I've just like not been feeling so great and I've just gone, I'm not working today and this is just something that I'm enjoying. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the stuff that generates work. So sometimes it's good to kind of understand what you want from the work, but as long as you've got all of those, um, those things in mind, because you want to still feel like you're enjoying it, that it's nourishing, you're experimenting. Um, but it is really good when you're doing a project. And that's something that I'm working on at the moment, giving myself briefs. So I'm looking at repeated pattern, for example, or what would look great on packaging and how many of in a series would I need. And that's really good because it gives us a little bit of a steering and it helps us navigate. So I hope that answered your question. I mean, one advice I always give creatives is imagine, uh, more for like graphic designers really, is imagine yourself like a, a jigsaw puzzle piece. And it's, it's a collection of work which shows where you've been, but where you want to go. And there's, there's nothing stopping someone doing like self-initiated projects or work or briefs, rather than just focusing on the stuff that pays your bills or um, you know puts a roof over your head. Just whatever you're interested in, 
and you gravitate towards producing work like that and you never know that might attract the kind of clients that you then want to work with um which i guess when you get a, a commission for a huge bit of work ideally it'll be something you'll want to work on or you'll be excited to work on but i think that that's all the questions um so i guess we'll wrap up the session here because uh We've been talking away for an hour, but again, thank you so much, Joe. Like I've really, really enjoyed today. And I hope everyone that's tuned in has as well. You've shared so many amazing tips and insights as well. I'm going to be rewatching this and making my own notes actually from everyone you've mentioned that I want to take some inspiration from. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Um, thanks for everybody that bought a ticket and um, is joining us. So nice to be here. I'm really honoured to be uh, one of your industry leaders. So thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. And have a good day. And um, take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.